Welcome to Attorney Heart, the podcast focused on bringing awareness to and promoting attorney well-being. Join Attorney Heart as you embark on a journey to improve the quality of your professional and personal life. And now, here's your host, Fernando Flores. Looking up, there's always sky. Rest your head, I'll take you high. We won't fade into darkness. All right, welcome everyone to the next episode of Attorney Heart. I am really excited for you to join us today. I'm so pumped about our next guest. Matt Aitchison, also known as Maddie A, is a real estate investor, host of the incredibly popular Millionaire Mindcast podcast, as well as the more recent one uh, that he launched called The Six Figure Flipper. Matt is a husband, father of two beautiful little daughters, an awesome friend, mentor, and recently voted top 40 millennial influencer who is helping others become real estate millionaires. We're going to talk a little bit more about his goals and just to let you know a little bit about Matt, a recent quote by him was, check this out, by having an unwavering belief in yourself that you're capable and pairing that with an extraordinary effort day in and day out, you will unlock things in your life that many believe are not possible in this world. Very excited to have you on the show, Matt. Thank you so much. I'm so excited about getting into more details, but I just want to start out with how grateful I am to have you on. Oh, what's going on, Fernando? As always, brother, it's great to be spending some time with you, man, and looking forward to the conversation we're going to have today. Definitely. And, you know, I'm really also excited about having you join us at the I Matter Now conference in August here in uh, San Francisco in the Bay. I know for you, you're coming out from the Sacramento area, so uh, it's going to be awesome to have you there. It's going to be amazing, man. I'm excited to see and connect with all of the listeners of the show. If you guys aren't signed up for this conference, get there. There is uh, going to be some amazing people. And I mean, it's one of those things where you never know who you're going to meet at these events, but to get in a room of individuals who are of like mind, who are seeking similar things, who want to mastermind, who want to grow, uh, it's powerful. And some of my greatest relationships, mentors, experiences, and opportunities have come from events like this. So if you're on the fence, I highly challenge you to find a way to get there. And you know, you grow into the conversations around you. So if you want to expand your wealth, if you want to expand your, you know, heart, if you want to expand your network, get to an event like this. And uh, that's my shameless plug right there for you, buddy. Awesome, brother. I really appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> well, let's just start out, uh, Matt, with Let's just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. And I just, I leave that open to you. Take it anywhere you want to take it. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, I'm a father and a husband to uh, three amazing girls, two little girls, one big girl, my wife. And uh, <laughs> Murray is. Uh, uh, I was like, did I get that wrong? <laughs> yeah. No, you're like, wait, he's got another daughter. So uh, that that's, you know, my my number one priority and why and purpose of why I do what I do, why I get out there and hustle and try and expand myself on a daily basis because I need to show them, you know, what's possible. I need to, you know, I speak this message all the time and oftentimes there's a, a disconnect for a lot of people who say one thing, their audio and their actions are another thing, their video. And you know, I'm a big believer in not only having a message, but the messenger being the message. And so uh, for me, um, I talk a lot about wealth building. I talk a lot about, you know, giving back and value and purpose 
And, um, and one of the vehicles that I'm able to do that, to have that platform in, to have the freedom and the flexibility and the, you know, security that I've, you know, worked so hard to, to gain has been through real estate investing. So that's kind of my main ecosystem that I plan and the different businesses that I have in the real estate investing space. And um, I am extremely passionate about personal development and the conversations that are going on in personal development, how they can, you know, unlock more freedom and fulfillment for people in that space that are seeking it. So um, I'm a father, I am a business owner, and I am a, you know, a mentor and a coach to many people in the wealth building space, particularly uh, through business, entrepreneurship, and real estate being the vehicle that can help them unlock some of those things that they're looking to unlock. Awesome, Matt. And, you know, in, in the legal industry, there's definitely a lot of uh, attorneys who have gotten into real estate, but there's also a lot of attorneys that haven't. And especially when you look at statistics as to where millennials are in terms of home ownership in comparison to other generations, we tend to have a lower home ownership rate. And I wanted mm -hmm. to ask you a little bit about that. About that. You know, what, what are some of the bigger challenges, some of the biggest challenges that uh, someone interested in purchasing their first home can encounter? I mean, I know, you know, having the, the money down, but um, can you talk a little bit about that and also the kind of mindset that you need to just be able to get in there and, and make it happen for yourself. Yeah, it is an interesting t uh, statistic and, it, and it's true. You know, um, home ownership, at least among millennials, uh, is declining. And I think the reason for that, at least based on my studies and research and the people I've talked to, is the American dream of the white picket fence and two and a half kids and being anchored down to a mortgage for the next 30 years is not necessarily the dream that we have. And so uh, just like every generation, there's something new that's introduced based on where the world is at. And so I think it's just a reflection of where the world is at right now. And a lot of millennials love being nimble. They love being free and flexible and you know, being able to pivot. And if they wanna shift and move to a new city or for a new job, if they wanna travel the country for a year, they want to have that ability. However, I would say that at the end of the day, uh, home ownership is hands down still one of the safest and most proven wealth building vehicles out there. The asterisk next to that statement is when done properly, when done the right way. Hmm. So there are obviously many variables in the equation for it to be a successful investment. And, you know, just like running an attorney business, it, there's, you know, systems and processes and disciplines and habits that you need to do and execute on a daily, monthly, quarterly, yearly basis in order to go out and be a highly successful attorney or a highly successful business owner or law firm. So um, I would lay the foundation with that of going, this is just a blueprint. And that's all you just need to understand. What is that blueprint, right? So you've created you know, uh, a document for how to go out and successfully, you know, go through the bar and mm -hmm. pass your exam, right? And it's a blueprint. So that's where I always like to say is, you know, it's, it's a very simple process. It's not always easy, but let's say you want to get to, you know, Disneyland from your front door. There's a map that you can pull out 
and know exactly what turns to take, what highway to get on in anywhere in the country you can get from your front door to Disneyland, right? So that's the same thing with real estate investing, whether you want to buy a house for yourself, whether you want to buy a rental property and start building your, you know, portfolio and passive income. Um, real estate is made more millionaires than any other asset class or vehicle on the planet. I mean, it's just a, it's just a statistic. It's a fact. Yeah. So um, whether you decide you want to do one, whether you want 50, whether you want a hundred, a thousand, um, know that it's just, uh, it's just a process and a plan that you got to figure out all of the different pieces too. And just like the first time I sat down to a chessboard and was like, what the heck is this piece and how does it move? And what's the strategy behind this? That's where I would say is go into this knowing that you can easily sit down and learn the rules of the game, the strategy of the game. And then it just comes down to execution. So oftentimes the biggest challenge that I see a lot of people have is first and foremost, they get stuck up here, right? Mm -hmm. And they go, I don't have enough money to make this happen, or I don't have enough time to do this, or I'm not savvy or knowledgeable enough to do this successfully. And so oftentimes before we even get started, we're already sabotaging ourselves. Um, and I see that a lot with new investors. And if you think about every successful real estate investor, or let's just say every successful person in general, they all started at the bottom level, right? Every yeah. master started as a student. So just keep that in mind of going, you know, that individual that I see that's doing these big things and going, gosh, I don't know if I could do that, remove that immediately because at the end of the day, it all starts at a foundational level. And if you pour a solid foundation, just like let's relate it to a house, if you pour a solid foundation, you have the ability to build something stable mm -hmm. moving forward. If you start on a crack foundation, whether that's in your mind, whether that's in your disciplines, whether that's in your habits, you're going to have some potential pitfalls and expose yourself to risks for that crack to keep going and expanding into other areas of the foundation, which could ultimately crumble at any time moving forward. So the mindset is a big part of this because I see people already lose before they even get started. Now, you know, outside of the mindset, it all goes back to just pure tactics and strategies in the real estate space. So there's so many different, um, niches within real estate and depending on what someone's desires are their goals are whether it's on the income side the net worth side um, I would recommend you know different areas to investigate to see which one is most one aligned with your goals aligned with the time and energy and effort you have to put into this aligned with your skill set so there's a lot of variables in that equation but on the very you know Ground floor, I would say, you know, buying one rental property a year for any attorney or any business owner should 100% be in your wealth building plan. And think of it like your retirement account, yeah. you know, and instead of you being the one who's paying into your retirement account every month, your tenant is, your tenants right. paying into your retirement account and they're paying down your principal they're increasing the equity of your home. They're paying you an income on top of that, right? Is if your mortgage payment is less than what the rent is, which that's you know something that obviously you want to take into account. Um, but those are all things that you really want to um, 
understand in order to go out and be successful. So it's the mindset, it's the strategy, it's the plan, and then it's just the pure execution of the plan with accountability, having a coach, a mentor, somebody that can help you, you know, shorten your learning curve, avoid mistakes that you might make otherwise without that individual until you get your sea legs under you and you really feel confident. Um, there are so many different ways you can ensure that your first investment deal is a success and then moving forward, right, working into your strategy and your plan, go out and just continue to execute at a high level. But it doesn't need to be as complicated as many people think it might be. Yeah, I love those tips, Matt. Really, really helpful. And I, I think it, you bring up a really good point in terms of really thinking through the strategy. And, you know, when you're getting started, it's a very different thing if your goal is to buy your first home versus to buy your first investment property. Maybe you already have a home and you want to buy a first, second, 10, 50, you know, investment property and that's your goal. Uh, and or, you, you know, uh, you want to, in, in that second scenario, really being something about buy and hold versus, you know, flipping, which you do both of these, right? You do both buy and hold and flipping or do you fall more on one side versus the other? Matt? No, I, I do both. So I flip houses to generate quick chunks of cash, which then I use the chunks of cash to go out and buy passive income streams, for example, rental properties. So um, it, flipping is a little bit more labor intensive. It requires you to be more in the business and consistently working on it, consistently lead generating to find those kind of opportunities, building relationships with vendors and all those things, which on the other side of the fence it does too, but it's not as time intensive. Mm -hmm. So uh, with the right systems and the right people, you can do both um, in a very leveraged capacity. But when it comes to, you know, most business professionals that have, you know, a, a full-time job or a full-time focus, uh, buy and hold is a lot more practical because it just requires a few things on the front end, putting in place a couple people to manage on the back end, and then you overseeing those assets, those people, those systems, you know, periodically over time. Yeah. The flipping side is a little bit more hands-on and depending on someone's goals. I mean, I've got, you know, I've got individuals in my uh, mentorship group in our community that, you know, are working full-time jobs and are still flipping houses on the side. So it's possible. Anything is possible, right? It all just depends on your ability to, one, leverage your skill set, leverage your network, leverage the systems and the people that you put in place and surround yourself with, and you can still go out and succeed on either side of the fence. But my recommendation for any new investor is to really, one, find a mentor, two, get extremely clear in what your goals are, and then three, architect a plan that fits based on your current lifestyle and where you're at, and then from there, you know, have that consistent accountability and time block it into your schedule around your job or around your, you know, priorities and, you know, responsibilities that you currently have. From there, then it just becomes a game of, do you have the ability to go out and execute at a high level and move the needle forward on these things? And I know attorneys, and you guys have a lot on your plate. You guys are really good time managers. You guys are really good at following processes and systems. So I've seen a lot of people, including you, Fernando, go out and buy your first investment property and have that property help you not only build your net worth 
and increase the amount of equity that you have, you know, in, in the home, but also, right, pay for some of your mortgage or bring in passive income. So it's one of those things where you, spectators, it, it, I'm a sports fan, so I always relate things to sports. Nice. Spectators, the fans, they don't get paid, right? They watch from the, the stands and they admire and they love what they're seeing and probably wish that they were on the field playing, right? Mm -hmm. And yet it's only the players that get paid. And relating it to baseball, the only way you're going to get on base, the only way you're going to score runs is by getting in the batter's box right. and taking some hacks at it. And do those professionals, the ones at the highest level, actually hit a thousand 10 out of 10 times no they strike out too right right so it's one of those things where you got to be in the batter's box you got to be you know in the game in order to figure out all the different you know strategies of how you can win and how you can get runs and how you can score so just getting in there will be the first start of this and as simple as i can make it all you need to do is identify, hey, if I can, how much money can I put away for a down payment? If I go to a lender, what can I qualify for? What's that mortgage payment going to be? And then I just need to find an asset based on what I can qualify for and what the mortgage payment is gonna be, mm -hmm. uh, that I can rent it out for more than that, and that I can purchase a property in that price point. And, and that's as, that's as you know, simple as it gets on, on that side of things. And obviously there's a lot more to understanding, you know, the return on investment, your cash on cash return, your net operating income, you know, a lot of the yeah. terminology that goes behind it. But on a very basic level, what can you put aside every single year? And if it was just one property a year over the next 10 years, and let's just say that you bought one property a year, that's $100,000, and you ended up getting somebody that could pay you rent on that property a thousand dollars a month over the next 10 years as you pay those off eventually you're going to have 10 properties worth a hundred thousand dollars that's if nothing appreciates that's right. if nothing changes you're gonna have a million dollars in net worth you're gonna have a consistent income stream of ten thousand dollars a month thousand bucks coming in from each of those 10 properties that's not only your retirement account where you have physical equity, a tangible asset, but in addition to that, you have a passive income stream coming in every single month. And that's something that I, I, I highly, 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 highly encourage people to really think about because there is no better investment than if you were to buy something tangible that has all these other ancillary benefits like tax benefits and passive income and deferred gains yep. and all different kinds of creative ways. Um, but I think people overcomplicate it and they sabotage themselves before they even get started. And so that's where I really try and debunk a lot of those things, mm -hmm. walk people through that process and get them feeling more comfortable that I can do this. I can yep. do this. It's not as, I mean, becoming an attorney is way harder than <laughs> becoming a real estate investor. <laughs> I can promise you that. So if you can do that, you can easily do this it's just filling in some of the gaps some of the blind spots that you may have around this particular topic right now but once just like anything you do it one time you're like whoa it wasn't that scary two i can totally do this three 
how do I get better? Cause now I have a lay of the land, right? right. So the first time you ever went through, you know, a, a deposition or you were in court, you were probably <laughs> nervous, right? You're like, Oh my gosh. But at the same time, once you did it, you're like, okay, I can do this. Like this is, this isn't as bad as I made it out to be in my head. And so uh -huh. that's where real estate is. In, in in my opinion, for a lot of people is they have a little bit of fear around it because they've heard of things going wrong, but they also know what can go right. And if it goes right, it can be very, very profitable and very uh, aligned with the goals and the lifestyle and the income that they want. There's just a few little gaps. And by walking through the fire, looking back, you're like, I'm still breathing. I'm still alive. I can do this. And that's where I try and push people towards. And if you have the right coach or the right mentor, it makes it that much more likely that you're going to go out and succeed on the first one. And succeeding on the first one is very important to make sure that you continue doing this moving forward because the people that don't succeed on the first one are usually the people that are talking about why real estate sucks and why, you know, it's one of those things that they would never do again. Definitely. I love it, Matt. It's awesome tips. You heard it from Matt. You know, don't disregard uh, investing in properties as an option of increasing your wealth or making it your main option. And I think that's such an important message. And that's why I love this cross-pollination that we're doing, you know, between uh, your profession and my profession and, and, and what we're, uh, you know, doing really is motivating and, and helping others not disregard this as an option to really build the freedom that we so much cherish yeah you know, because we really you're right i think you're tapping into a very good point there and you're seeing it firsthand right um as as uh, as millennials or even other generations too you know the the importance of of having that wealth and building that wealth really brings other forms of freedom in our lives and uh, I've experienced it firsthand, just listening to your podcasts, you know, there were mental shifts that had to happen, but once they did happen, then that started the ball rolling and then I started other things rolling. And then, um, you're, you're able to invest in your first property and then that builds a certain level of freedom that you didn't think you could have even just a year and a half ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was, uh, my first two rental properties, you know, if you wait for the quote unquote perfect time to, to buy, you know, a rental property or to take this, you know, leap of faith and, and move the needle forward with your real estate investing goals, you'll never do it. There is no perfect time, right? The perfect time is now. And we all know that, right? Is just taking action on these things is often the first step that when people look back, go, man, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be where I'm at today, right? And my very first two rental properties for the people that go, well, I don't have good time or I don't have good credit. I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a ton of time. Um, I bought my very first two rental properties from one owner and I had, gosh, maybe five, 6,000 bucks in the bank account after getting out of a bunch of debt. I was still living at home with my dad. I could barely pay him rent. I was still mm -hmm. trying to grow my, my business. And this opportunity, one, because I was in the game, came on my plate, right? And I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I found a mentor. I found somebody that, you know, coached me through that process on how to structure the deal, which I ended up doing creative financing on, which was something that I knew nothing about, right? Mm -hmm. But having a mentor shortened my learning curve, helped me avoid mistakes I'd make otherwise, do it in the right way. And I got two rental properties that I ended up buying about 50% uh, of what their value was. So they were both worth about 150 each. 
and I got both of them for 75 each. Mm-hmm. And by, you know, just stepping up to the plate and going, I might strike out here, but I'm willing to take that chance because I know that one, it's aligned with my long-term goals of buying a property, investing in real estate, trying to find ways to generate more passive income, create more security and freedom for me moving forward. Uh, I ended up getting those two deals, which, you know, I still own one of them. I just sold one of them this year for about $180,000 profit. Wow. And if I didn't take that leap of faith, if I didn't move the needle forward in those goals, um, not only would I be sharing this story, but I would have let my current circumstances dictate where I'm going and what I'm doing. And one of my favorite quotes is never let a small mind or a small business, i.e. your current circumstances, prevent you from going to where you know you're meant to go. And that's where a lot of people, they do that, right? They sit in the present and they go, well, I don't have a bunch of money in my bank account, or I don't have a bunch of time, or I don't have the knowledge or experience or relationships. Well, of course you don't, because if you did, you'd be where you want to be, right? So you got to figure out how to inspire yourself to take action on the things that scare you and the things that you don't necessarily know all the answers to yet, but know and trust that by doing so and taking action and doing it consistently over an extended period of time, you're going to look back and go, wow, I've covered a ton of ground. And that's ultimately what I think success is, you know, on any level is small, smart choices made consistently over an extended period of time lead to massive leaps and bounds that ultimately end up you being the quote unquote overnight success story. Amen to that. (laughs) Right? Yeah, definitely, man. And, you know, one question that came up was uh, for me, uh, over the years, I've definitely noticed, and I'm sure you have too, the California market has been hot. The prices in comparison to other states have been really high and they've definitely gone up, especially right here across the Bay in San Francisco. Oh, yeah, crazy. It's ridiculous, right? Um, it, you know, I want to ask you, do you focus predominantly in investing in California or just to put options out there for folks, you know? Uh, what does the real estate investing outside of California look like? Can you speak a little bit on that, Matt? Yeah. Uh, so all of my rental properties and my portfolio that I own are in California, Cool. Um, which is more of an appreciation state than a cash flow state. Mm-hmm. However, um, being that I do this every single day, it's what I eat, sleep, and breathe. I have the ability to uh, come across opportunities and deals through my network, through my relationships, through the you know, lead generation channels that I'm tapped into uh, to find appreciation opportunities and cash flow opportunities. Um, but it's not as common. Um, mm-hmm. I will say, especially with the market the way it is today, the, they're more challenging to find than ever, as well as there's only certain price points where uh, the cash flow makes sense, right? Like mm-hmm. you can't go buy a single family house for $1.5 million and rent it out for 5k a month when your mortgage payment's going to be $10,000 a month, right? And right. just some of those price points don't pencil. So often that, you know, depends on um, how great of a deal you can get, how much money you're putting down, what your mortgage payment's going to be, and then can you rent it for more than that, which in California, uh, there's only pockets where you can do that. Outside of California, for example, I was just in Texas uh, looking at some properties that I was going to buy um, that were anywhere from 30,000 to 70,000. 
that you could rent wow. out for 700 to a thousand bucks a month. Wow. Right. And, and for a quick rule of thumb for people to understand what is a decent deal, um, uh, we call it the 1% rule in the real estate industry, which is basically uh, whatever you purchase a property for all in, can you rent it for 1% of that? So let's say you bought a house for a hundred thousand in cash. If you were able to rent it out for 1% of that hundred thousand, get a thousand dollars a month in rent, that's a pretty good cash flow type property. A mm -hmm. uh, 2% rule is like the Holy grail. If you can find those, uh, those are phenomenal. And you know, that's where you're really going to start generating some great cash flow. But 1% rule is a great rule of thumb and is a good opportunity to get a property that you know is going to cash flow for at least 1% of what you've purchased it for. So in, you know, in Texas, right, some of these properties were one, two, 2% rule. Wow. So you look at Texas, you can look at Indiana, you got Tennessee, I mean, there's a lot of different markets, Cleveland, Ohio, where uh, the one cost of living is much lower. The barrier of entry on purchasing some of these properties is much lower. Um, you're dealing with different factors in the market. So you're definitely not going to get as much appreciation in a lot of those markets. But that's where it just depends on what your model is, right? Do you want to have more appreciation? And maybe less cash flow. So it's more of like consider it a bond or a CD, right? You're not going to get that big, big kind of sexy return, but it's going to be safe. It's going to be stable. It's still a tangible asset. You're still going to get all the ancillary benefits of owning real estate. Or maybe you really want that passive income. You really want to generate, you know, more mailbox money each and every month. And then you might look at some of the heavier cash flow states, but knowing that you may not get as high of a um, appreciation yield on some of those kind of properties. So, uh, that would be something where maybe you say, Hey, I'm going to buy some of these, I'm going to buy some of these and I'm going to diversify a little bit and my portfolio will, you know, at least be insulated and I'm hedging some of my risk on whether, you know, if the market shifts and some of the appreciation drops in California and you're, you lose your, you, you know, some of your net worth in the equity that shrunk up, you're still generating cash flow in some of those other markets because you don't really care if the equity goes up or down. You're holding long term. As long as the monthly income keeps coming in, your equity will shift up and down, but you're playing the cash flow game. So it really just depends on what your model is. But uh, California is a definitely a tough market. New York is a tough market. There's just markets that are really tough, and it's mainly based on price point. Um, but uh, there are many great markets, especially in the Midwest, that have uh, high cash flow yields. But obviously, there's pros and cons that go along with that as well. Yeah. No, I love it, Matt. Really, really good information. Again, really helpful. And um, I wanted to shift a little bit, Matt, to connect with you about maintaining balance. I mean, you definitely mentioned that we as attorneys, we definitely have a lot going on. But I know you have a lot going on as well. You have a lot of commitments on your plate. And I wanted to ask you, you know, what are, what are the main strategies that you use to make sure that you maintain balance in, in your life, you know, that you make sure you make time for wellness and also uh, give enough time to those things that you mentioned, you know, and those people that you mentioned are your why, right? Tell me a little bit about that. Tell the listeners a little bit about what you do. I think, I think as attorneys, we can all learn from, from folks who are, you know, doing that and doing that as successfully as possible. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, one, it's uh, I'm I'm human, so you know I struggle with it just like 
99% of the world does, right? Yeah. Um, I can definitely tell you that I am probably in the top 1% of being intentional of how I go about balance in my life. And I don't necessarily know if there's ever um, a true definition of balance. I look at it like it's counterbalance, right? Where I just don't fall too far to one side or the other. Like if you were to stand on one leg and I were to ask you to do that for 10 minutes straight and put your arms out, you probably end up leaning to the left a little bit and then you'd correct yourself and come back into the middle. And then you'd probably start leaning to the right a little bit and then you'd correct yourself before you fall over. Right. Right. And that's the way I look at like the balance of my life is there's never any perfect stationary upright position for me. I'm always shifting to the left and to the right, <laughs> but I'm just not going too far in one direction or the other. And I course correct and bring myself back. Uh, how do I do that is really through uh, awareness. Yeah. And one of the ways I stay super aware is um, my planner. So I created this planner, uh, Oh, gosh, I started doing it about five years ago in an Excel spreadsheet that I saw one of my mentors, um, he tracked all of his habits and all of his disciplines and all of his routines. And what he really equated it to was like, yes, this is a great way to keep me organized and balanced. But what it ultimately is, it's an awareness tool for me to keep my awareness super enhanced around the areas that I've told myself are extremely important, whether that's my appointments with my family, whether that's my habits and disciplines, my morning routine, my evening routine, my health, you know, my business, whatever it may be. It's just keeping yourself hyper aware. And um, I'm sure many have heard this term of your RAS, the part of your brain, which is called your reticular activating system. And the easiest way of, you know, explaining this is uh, if you've ever bought a new car and you drove that car off the lot, all of a sudden driving home on the freeway, you're like, oh my gosh, that person has my car. And then you're driving through the neighborhood and you're like, oh my gosh, my neighbor has that car. And then you're driving around town and you're like, oh my gosh, that billboard, there's my car, right? Yeah. And the thing is, is that car, those cars, they were always there. But your awareness, your attention to those things, to that car was not turned on. So it's like turning a switch on to the things that you tell yourself are extremely important in your life. And I would ask people, and I ask a lot of my clients is, is your RAS turned on to the areas of your life that you're saying are the most important? And then based on that, does your routine, your habits, your disciplines reflect those things mm -hmm. that therefore you're prioritizing accordingly and you're very, very clear on what those are, therefore your calendar habits, blah, 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 right, are mirroring the awareness that you need in order to have those things performing and achieving at the highest levels in life. So this planner is something that I created to keep my awareness up around the activities, the habits, the disciplines, the routines that I know and have told myself that are most important. And therefore, I know when I'm hitting on all cylinders and I'm on fire, it's usually because my awareness around those things is enhanced. When I'm not, it's because I'm disconnected or I'm unclear of what I should be doing when I should be doing them and why I'm doing them. So having the why, number one for me is the routine that best supports me feeling fulfilled. Because at the end of the day, I can't do everything for everybody else. I have to do it for me first and foremost. And I think that's a, a lot of people mistake that of going, 
I'm doing this for this person. Well, first and foremost, you need to do it for yourself. Like if your cup isn't full and overflowing, you don't have an abundance to give to your wife, to give to your kids, to give to your employees or your clients or your law firm or whatever. So you need to be overflowing first. Then from there, I have the ability to give way more. If my cup is depleted and I'm putting everybody else before me, which is what I see a lot of people do, if you only have a third of the cup to give, well, shoot, then you're going to have to spread that third out to a lot of people and you're only going to show up half-assed and you're not going to get give the best you to everybody else. So my routine does that first for me. Uh, secondarily, is it's, it's definitely comes down to time blocking. If you're clear on exactly what you need to do, it's that much easier to have your calendar reflect it. And for me, if it's not my calendar, it doesn't exist. I live and follow and, you know, Every single day, I'm very, very intimate with my calendar and how I operate and function off of that calendar. And on that calendar, the number one thing that's prioritized based on my goals and responsibilities in life is my time with my family. Mm-hmm. And that is time that I do not reschedule. Yeah. Then I have obviously the time with myself. Then on top of that, I have all the other responsibilities that come in line after and beyond that. So calendaring is a big thing for me. Routines are a big thing for me. Um, And those, by being clear in those things, it allows me to be that much more intentional of what I say yes to and what I say no to. And I've, you know, I I say uh, it's, there's really two, two things. There's clean no's and dirty yeses. And Mm. A lot of my life earlier on was a lot of dirty yeses of like just saying yes to stuff that ultimately wasn't in alignment with my goals, with my dreams, with my vision. And you have to be very, very ruthless of what you say yes and no to, because if you're saying yes to things that ultimately aren't in alignment with what you want to do, you're saying no to your goals, to your family, to your future, to your freedom, all of the things that you're chasing after because you're not crystal clear on what those things are and therefore you're saying the dirty yeses and your calendar gets filled up with those instead of the things that should be in there. So by having clarity and a lot of these things, it makes it that much easier to create an action plan, have your calendar reflect it, hold yourself accountable to those things. And that ultimately long winded answer to your question (laughs) helps me stay more counterbalanced and in alignment with my goals so I can go farther, faster, and really make the difference and cover the ground that I want to cover. I love it, Matt. I love it. And in relation to that, one thing that I wanted to mention was I feel that your podcast, uh, in, at least in my eyes, okay, uh, as, a, as, a, as a listener of your podcast, um, it's, it's really about becoming a millionaire, not just when it comes to your bank account, but in every aspect of your life, right? When it comes to your relationships, your family, uh, your health. And uh, I truly believe, Matt, that the information and content that you have put out, it's, you know, it's not just about flipping homes. You've also flipped lives. And I can attest to that, you know, all day. (laughs) But I wanted to ask you, for you, Matt, what was one of the biggest mindset shifts that you had to make in your life? And how ultimately did that change the course of your life? Well, I appreciate the kind words, man. Um, You know, for me, uh, the biggest shift that I had to make in my life was uh, my environment and my tribe. Mm. And uh, I was actually expelled from high school. I was arrested in college. 
So all you attorneys out there listening, you know, don't, don't prosecute me for anything. Let's keep an open mind here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, for me, I looked back and, and said, what was the difference of what set me on a new path, a new trajectory mm-hmm. in life? And obviously there was a lot of inner, um, you know, changes that I had to make, mm-hmm. but on the external world, it was hands down my environment and my tribe. And, you know, I, I go back and go, you know, after reflecting on a lot of this, like when I was hanging around a bunch of people that were smoking pot and drinking and not really doing a whole lot with their life, you know, I became that person. Mm. When I started hanging around a bunch of millionaires who were giving back and making a difference in their community and passionate about their business and passionate about being great partners and spouses and parents that were, you know, passionate about their health, right? I became that individual too, who started adopting that mentality. So I believe that we grow into the conversations around us and the environments around us. And that was a really challenging thing for me to do early on. I was about 20 when I started making this decision to change my life and to change my peer group and to really edit my peer group and edit my environment. Mm. And I can attest so many people that I talk to and coach and mentor and work with closely, some of their biggest limitations are in their peer group, the people they surround themselves with and spend the most time with, and they know it and they're not willing to do anything about it. And that's, and I understand that's a hard thing to do. If your mom is the one person that's the negative Nancy, who's always holding you back, that's a hard person to edit, right? Or if your best friend for the last 20 years is the one person that wants to, you know, come and gossip to you and to, you know, talk poorly about other people and talk about why their life is so bad and why they're in this victim mentality. And you want to sit there and listen to that and indulge them. That's your choice. But if you want to ultimately get something different to expand your conversations, expand your network, expand your life, expand your thinking, it's going to require some tough decisions. And it doesn't mean you need to completely be like, Hey mom, I don't ever want to see you again. You're not in alignment with my goals and my mindset and where I'm going in life. So see you later. Like that's, that's not what I'm asking people to do or invite people to do. But what I am saying is you need to set a standard for what you're willing to allow into your life. And um, I tell people that I'm a loving human being, but my standards are not. And when I set that bar of what those standards are, you're either going to rise to that standard or you're going to deselect from that standard. It doesn't mean that I don't love you. It doesn't mean I don't respect you. It doesn't mean I don't appreciate you. But I will not allow those things to infiltrate my life. One, because I now know by setting those standards right. how much my life has expanded and grown. and the, It's made room for the people that are in alignment with it and therefore made things that much bigger in my world from a freedom, a fulfillment, a financial standpoint. And on the contrary, right, it has also inspired people by setting those standards and saying, I'm not going to tolerate that anymore. Like if you want to be negative, you want to gossip, you want to do this or that, I'm not going to be the one to do it with. I'm still going to love you and support you and do whatever I need to do to help you continue to further your goal and know that I, you know, appreciate you. 
but I'm not going to allow those things in my world. And when I set those standards, those people quit bringing that stuff to me. Those people quit showing up that way in my life. And some of those people kind of slowly faded off, right? And other people rose to the occasion. And so that's where you can actually be a leader in your life by editing your peer group is by saying, hey, you know, here's some of my goals or, hey, here's what I don't want to do anymore. Here's what I am going after. Here's what I won't tolerate. By having some of those conversations with those people in your peer group, when you're quote unquote making those edits, you give yourself the opportunity to become a leader, not only for yourself, but for those people too. You say, Hey, I just want to let you know, like, just because I'm doing these things doesn't mean I feel any different about you. And actually I would love to invite you on this journey with me. And there's a lot of people, a lot of friends that I would have never expected to get on that bus with me that did. And looking back said, I, thank you. Like you changed my life. I didn't have anybody that has challenged me in that way before. I didn't have anybody that's, you know, reprogrammed my mindset, my disciplines, my habit, my routine. Right. And so it's our job. It's our duty to be that person. And so when I wasn't that person, I was just a leaf floating in the wind. Yeah. When I shifted that and decided what you talked about a little bit earlier is to start living like a millionaire in all areas of my life to become a whole life millionaire. I also gave permission for other people to do that for themselves. And sometimes that's all we need. Like a lot of the things that I've had struggles and challenges with when I didn't believe in myself, when I had somebody else lend the belief they had and saw in me mm-hmm. and I gained that, holy cow, not only did it give me permission to step into that, but it also made me feel that much more appreciative and, you know, happy that that person took that step and had the courage to do that. And if you want to be a legendary leader, if you want to live a legendary life, you got to do the shit that 99% of the world just doesn't want to do or doesn't have the discipline or courage to do. And like I said, you know, do I do it 99% of the time? Hell no. I'm a human being too, but I do it way more often than I don't. And if you can tilt the scales on that side in your favor, you're going to have a much bigger, better life than you could have ever imagined. Yeah. And a lot of times I feel, Matt, that the the standards, as you mentioned, sometimes we feel that uh, we can't or we shouldn't because we're going to hurt somebody else. There's feelings if we set those standards. But in reality, those standards are our responsibility. You know, and, and it's not until you realize that and take active steps like you mentioned and then execute um, um, the goals that you've set for yourself that you really start seeing the changes, even if it's small ones. Over time, you look back, like you said, and you're like, wow, I, I've come a long way. And um, I really appreciate that perspective, Matt. It's so true. And I'll, I'll, I'll just say one last thing on that. You have to be unemotional about how people feel about what you do and how you do it. And instead get extremely emotional and extremely passionate about what it can do for that person. Remove what they, like most people live their lives and their lives are dominated by other people's thoughts. I'm raising my hand because majority of my life, I just turned 30. The first 20 years of my life were dominated by what were other people going to think about me? How are they going to feel if I do this? Right? We live our life seeking other people's approval instead of our own. And that fear of rejection is so exaggerated and we constantly worry about things 
that we spend so much of our time worrying about other people's emotions instead of getting emotional about by doing what we're going to do, how it can serve, support, and help that individual. Definitely. I love it, Matt. I love it. Well, I want to I wanna leave some for the conference. <laughs> and, uh, You're like, don't give it all, man. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm, I'm joking, but uh, only half joking. <laughs> um, what I wanted to uh, just let folks know is, um, Matt, I don't want to speak out of turn, but at the conference, you're, you're going to be doing something that you haven't done before for a workshop, right? And uh, I know you're going to be, you know, uh, speaking alongside Diego Corzo, uh, who's going to be on the podcast and, and also. And um, what I wanted to ask you was, uh, that's correct, right? You're going to be doing a, a workshop that, that you haven't done anywhere else. Yes, um, we'll be doing, I mean, we're, we're going to be working through how people can architect their definition of a wealthy and a rich life. And I, and I want to preface that it's your design, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody has a different definition of what wealth means, whether that is barely making enough money, but you have the ability to travel and, you know, be free and do whatever you want versus, hey, if you want a hundred million dollar, you know, empire, awesome. Right. If you want to be a stay at home mom and just spend as much time with your kids and work at a charity and, you know, contribute in your community. Awesome. Right. So we're going to work through that process of how to design your definition of a rich and fulfilling life. Number one, get clarity on it, because that's one thing that people don't have is that crystal clarity. Once we're clear, then we can actually architect an action plan. And then from there, figure out the tools and resources, relationships, and accountability you need to get out there, get into action, and start working towards it. I love it, Matt. I love it. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. I mean, I feel like I have a lot of clarity on my goals and what I need to do in order to get there. But having even more clarity never hurts. So yes. <laughs> I'm excited about even you know participating in the workshop too. So um, I really, really, really appreciate your time, Matt. I really appreciate all your insight, all your input, all your support. and I look forward to seeing you again in a few weeks. And uh, yeah, do you have anything that you want to leave our listeners with, the Attorney Heart listeners? No, I'm just extremely excited to connect with everybody. And if I don't get to connect with you, you guys are missing out. I'll, I'll say that again. But uh, at the end of the day, man, I just, I love what you're doing. And you are a perfect example of what taking action looks like, right? Is, you know, it wasn't, long ago that I met you a little over, you know, a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah. And you were still a full-time practicing attorney who had this yeah. goal, this dream, this vision of adding value to others to, you know, helping other attorneys become more heart centered and more purposeful about chasing their goals and their dreams. And instead of just collecting a paycheck and looking, you know, back in 30 years of, man, I wish I would have done more you were somebody who reached out to me, you took action, you got your own business, you're freaking throwing amazing events, and you're making a, a huge difference in other people's lives. And so I just want to commend you, man, because um, you deserve a major round of applause for that. And it's just exciting to see what you're up to. And gosh, you're only scratching the surface. Oh, thank you, brother. I really appreciate the kind words as well, man. Really appreciate it. And um, you know, I, I think I think it's really about, like you mentioned, you know, surrounding yourself with people who have that energy and you also tapping into who you really are, you know, because when I did that, I think that's when I really started to make, you know, shifts that I never thought possible. So 
uh, thank you again, Matt. Honestly, this is uh, this is great to have you on Attorney Heart, and I look forward to yeah seeing you soon. And this information, just even this podcast, just helping out people who maybe never thought about oh I, I don't know if uh, real estate investing is for me. Maybe now they they start asking questions that will shift that a little bit. Yep. Awesome, man. Well, I'll look forward to connecting with everybody. And the final parting statement I would say is uh, we are, you are, we are, all of us are only as six, the, we are successful in our life only to the extent that we can shed our limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. So I would invite you to maybe identify one that isn't serving you uh, and get to the root of that and challenge yourself to find a way through some medium, some capacity, some means of shedding that limiting belief and see what it will allow you and give you permission to go out there and do. Yeah, there you have it. <laughs> so thank you again, Matt. And thank you everyone for tuning in and listening to another episode of Attorney Heart. I hope you enjoyed it. I thoroughly did. And I look forward to catching you at the next one. Matt, thank you so much. Take care. Hello, everyone. This is Fernando. I wanted to take a quick second to thank our 2018 I Matter Now conference sponsors. Their support has been invaluable in ensuring the success of the conference, and I wanted to let you know who they are. At the innovator level, we have the Torres Law Group and Rachel Braswell from Merrill Lynch and her team. At the leader level, we have Villegas Carrera and Irene Martinez Audet of Northwestern Mutual and her team, Franco Munoz, and Oyin Mobile Notary Services and Abogado Gomez. These sponsors not only are committed to moving forward the, the wellness movement, but in particular, they're, they're really supportive of the upcoming I Matter Now conference. And I wanted to really thank them and give a shout out to them because it's just the beginning. And I know that we will continue to move this wellness movement forward together. All right, with that, thank you so much again to our sponsors, and I look forward to catching you at the next episode. Take care, everyone. Hi, everyone. Fernando here again to thank you for listening in to another Attorney Heart episode. If you like this episode, please make sure to give it a thumbs up, and if it can benefit anyone that you know, please share it. Attorney Heart is brought to you by iMatterNow. I-M-A-T-E-R-N-O-W. Please make sure to check our website at imatternow.com. Again, I-M-A-T-E-R-N-O-W.com. And join iMatterNow's Facebook page. Follow us for future events and additional resources. Every day presents an opportunity to engage in self-care. And remember that it is not selfish to take care of your well-being. It is necessary. So take care and connect with you on the next Attorney Heart episode.